How do you survive burnout? Hi, welcome to another episode of Business Mindset Mastery. My name's Heather Gray. I'm a mindset and performance coach for business owners, leaders, and entrepreneurs. You can always find me at choosetohaveitall.com. And before we dive into today's discussion, I just feel the need to take a quick pause. Um, the show topics we've had recently feel a little bit heavy to me. Yesterday, we helped a woman who was stuck and frozen in fear find, after finding a lump in her breast a couple of months ago. We've been talking about people who are afraid of even taking a day off from their business, talking about people who don't know whether or not their dreams can become a reality. All of this in a lump sum can start to feel heavy. And before I was pressing record on today's episode, because again, it's a little bit of a heavy topic, we're going to be talking about burnout. I just wanted to remind everybody that we're human, that we feel things and we experience things and that life is really hard sometimes. And sometimes it feels like it's more hard than easy and that the only thing to talk about is the hard stuff. And I get that on an advice show like this, we are always gonna be talking about problems. We're always gonna be talking about struggles. And I think sometimes when I do the quick, Q&A type conversations with people, I can sometimes be accused of making it all sound so simple and so easy that I get caught in a trap of telling people to just do that or just do this. And I make the answers sound almost automatic and simple. I want everybody listening to know that I get it that this stuff for people listening is real, that the hurt is real, the fear is real, the doubt is real. I know that there's people listening sitting in real pain. And I know that there's people listening who have no idea how they're gonna make their dream a reality and quite frankly don't believe they can make their dream a reality. They listen to shows like this for motivation and inspiration just to hear how other people are making their dreams a reality. I know there's people listening who feel lost, stuck, and hopeless. And I hope in my episodes that I speak to you that you get comfort and insight and that you see even though it's not easy, it really is possible. Because today I'm going to be talking to you from a more personal perspective about burnout and about what it means when the thing you love, the thing you said you wanted most in the world, becomes the things you hate, the very, very thing you hate. What do you do? How do you move through the world? How do you figure it out? And for people who are living in burnout, and they're just dying and desperate and thirsty for the answer that's going to get them out of their current soul-sucking job and into something better, it can feel triggering a little bit. And I'm not even a fan of that word, but it, it hits close to home, right? It, it hits that sore spot of making you look at something that's a little unpleasant that you'd really not, you know, you'd really prefer not to think about or talk about if you didn't have to. At least that's what it was true for me. When I was burned out, I didn't want to admit it. I was super embarrassed by it. Um, and I thought that if I didn't talk about it, it wouldn't be real and I wouldn't have to deal with it. Today's question is about my burnout. So let's just dive in and then I'll give you my thoughts. Heather, I've heard you talk about your burnout on the show before. I hope this isn't too personal of a question, but I was wondering if you would mind sharing more about it. How did you go from loving something to hating it? Did you see it coming? Why do you think it happened? 
Do you think it could have been prevented? What lessons have you learned from it and how the heck did you start over? I can't imagine doing that with an established business. Just wondering if you could tell us more if you don't mind sharing. Thanks. Well, I really appreciate your curiosity and asking. And I think the best mindset lessons are learned in real time. And I really value transparency. So I'm glad that you just didn't sit in curiosity and you reached out and asked me. And oddly enough, I've been sitting with this question all day. I had a very busy morning and I knew that if I recorded my podcast at the usual time, I would just give you some kind of rushed response. And this topic is important to me because it's so personal to my own experience that I really took some time to sit and think about what I wanted to say to you and how I wanted to tell the story. And this is what I came up with. I absolutely positively believe that my burnout was preventable and I could have prevented it. I believe I had total control over what happened next. I just told myself too many stories that got in the way. When I look back to why I burned out, I come to I didn't have boundaries. Beginning, middle, end. I didn't tell people what I really thought. I told myself stories about opinions that I was having, and I made rules for myself when I was running my own business, and I didn't change the rule book. So I need to back up a bit because some people may not know the story. So my first degree, my clinical degree, I have a master's in social work. So that qualifies me to work clinically, individually with children and families. And the start of my career, I was a program, um, I was in program agency work. So I did some community mental health, family counseling, and then I moved into residential treatment with adolescent girls. And I worked my way up a career ladder over the course of 10 years to when I left that agency, I was supervising about 30 people and I was a program director for one of their units. I initially thought that I burned out from that job, that first job. And what I learned in looking back on it with hindsight 2020, I don't think that experience was really burnout. What I believe that experience was is that I got crystal clear on the profession I wanted and what I wanted to do. And I gave everything to that. And for a while, it really made me happy. And then when it came time to build the life that I wanted, to have the free time that I wanted, to have energy for the kind of life I wanted to have, I found that first job incompatible with the life I wanted to build. And I knew that I needed to make a change. I accidentally (laughs) fell into my next business, um, which is a private practice. I owned a private mental health therapy practice working with adults individually who were struggling with relationship issues, depression, anxiety, life transition, kind of um, the general mental health therapy thing. I wasn't supposed to love that job as much as I found that I did. I started that private practice with the specific intent to catch my breath after 10 years of a really hard, grinding, tiring job. What I learned through that experience was that I loved being the boss of my own business. I loved working with people who independently could say they were struggling, identify me as the person that they thought could help, knock on my door, ask for my help, and I could serve and help them. 
I didn't plan on loving that experience as much as I did, but I did build a private therapy practice that I was incredibly proud of, that remained full with a waiting list for more years that I was in business than not. I lucked out in a couple of those places. I was one of the first therapists who got a website at a time when not a lot of therapists um, thought that it was very kosher to advertise themselves on the web, but I got myself a web presence. I made myself Googleable. People found me and then they started referring to me and that's how I built my client caseload. And in that, I loved, loved being the boss. I loved all about it. I, I, I really did. And for a long time, I was incredibly happy doing it and I was incredibly proud of the work I was doing. But at some point in time, I had, I guess, I got myself stuck in stories of what I thought a good therapist did and what a good therapist didn't do. And one of the things that I told myself is a good therapist didn't call bullshit on bullshit with mental health therapy clients. So when clients would come in and tell me all the reasons why they couldn't do X, Y, or Z, or why when I offered them a solution to what they were doing, they told me all the reasons why it wasn't possible, I continued to see and treat them. Looking back on how I got so unhappy with my job, I really tie it back to the fact that I maintained clients who said they wanted my help when they only wanted the relationship with me. They wanted to talk to me, they knew me, they liked me, they came to trust me, but they could tell me about their awful husbands or their horrible wives. They could vent to me for an hour, feel better in that space, and then go back to their lives and never really have to change. They could sit in the stories of their childhood trauma and never have to get out of the victim mode mentality. And I would go home every day moaning and groaning and sometimes a little more (laughs) about them in my head, about how they didn't really do anything. They said they did, but you know, yay for them. They showed up for the appointment, but they didn't really actually change anything. And my resentment started to build and my anger started to build. And I really do think if I look back on it, I was building even rage um, at the idea that people were okay with coming in, you know, reserving my time, paying their $20 copay, telling me their problems, and then moving on out the door. And I never called BS on it. I never said, hey, what are you doing here? You say that you're not happy. You say that you're struggling with this. You're saying that your life isn't good because of that. I'm offering you ways and opportunities to get better, and you're choosing not to take me up on them. So you can, but I've told you all you need to know. So if you don't want to make changes, that's fine. No judgment, no worry, but you can't stay here. I never gave myself permission to fire people who weren't doing the work because I told myself that a good therapist didn't do that, that you don't turn people away if they like you, that if they've built trust, there's no way that you make them start over with someone new. I didn't have a boundary with myself or my business about the type of person I wanted to help, who I was willing to help, and who I was not willing to help. And I left that business, I guess, I think looking back on it, it was probably the end of 2015 when I finally made it official, but I 
can tell you that I felt the burnout coming in 2013. I could tell you the specific time slot in my schedule, Friday mornings, 9 a.m. And if that client at Friday mornings, 9 a.m. is listening, God, I'm in trouble. But Friday morning, 9 a.m. became my pivotal reason why I hated my business because that couch was taken up in that spot for years and no movement happened. And for some reason, I blamed the client rather than blaming myself for allowing that travesty to happen. When I look at people now who are burning out from their businesses, it's the same exact reason. They fail to set boundaries. They either haven't set the right office hours, they make themselves available to their clients 24-7, they're afraid of displeasing a client so they accept shit that they shouldn't be accepting, they're afraid that the next client isn't going to come through the door so they accept less desirable clients simply because they're afraid their bottom line will move or jiggle in a way that's uncomfortable, but they don't take care of themselves and they operate and move through their businesses with a scarcity mindset. I didn't make my decisions because of money, but it's the same thing. It's the what will happen if I do what I really want. And what I really wanted to do was fire people who were wasting my time and not doing the work. For other people listening to this show, you're going to have clients that light you up, but you're so afraid of losing them that you're staying up until two o'clock in the morning trying to serve them. Or, you know, you're afraid to tell someone that their outstanding balance is actually due two weeks ago because you're afraid that they'll just go away and never pay you so you let them dangle you about rather than demanding payment for services rendered. That in large part, if I could go back to my story, I would have given myself permission to run the business I wanted to run and I wouldn't have been afraid of what would happen. At the time, I guess I thought the therapy police were going to come after me, arrest me, and tell me that I wasn't working consistent with my license or something like that. I found coaching really freeing because I can tell people what I think. I can say, you're wasting my time. I told you this. We've already had this conversation. I'm wondering why this you know, why this keeps repeating. We've talked about it three weeks in a row and I'm more comfortable with that. The only reason why I'm more comfortable with it is I've given myself permission to do it in such a way that I didn't when I was blocked into some version of what a good therapist would do. And honestly, looking back on this, I think I would still be doing therapy if I had set more boundaries earlier on. And yes, I absolutely did see it coming. I was just saying, I think I got a little distracted on a tangent, but I was just telling you how I probably didn't make the switch until offline business until uh, 2015, but I felt it coming in 2013. And I tried to change my business. I tried to offer different kinds of services with the idea that I would attract a different kind of client. But because I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't have a specific strategy in mind, that never panned out. And so my resentment increased, my unhappiness increased, and I wasn't able to see how I was really getting in my own way with my own limiting beliefs and my own thinking errors. I didn't know what I didn't know. And what I should have been willing to find out is if I lived by my own rules and lived and died by my own sword, what kind of therapist would I have been? 
what kind of difference could I have made if I stayed helping people in the way that I wanted to help them? So absolutely positively, what I've learned from this and what I hope everybody learns from this is the idea that burnout can be prevented with boundaries. Knowing who you are, how you move through the world, and setting up a business that's consistent and accommodating of that. You can't change yourself. I've been talking lately to introvert business owners who are trying to adapt to an extroverted world. So they're coming up with all these extroverted marketing techniques. And one of the things I say to them, first of all, is if you market like an extrovert, you're only going to attract extroverts. But the second thing I find myself saying is you will burn out because you will start recognizing that you're not breathing, that you're not moving through the world comfortably, that everything feels like quicksand because you're choosing business strategies and implementing ways of moving through the world that are inconsistent with who you are and how you move through the world. The best way to prevent burnout is to take care of yourself. And I'm not talking about going to the spa, getting massage, or doing the good old-fashioned mani-pedi. Those things are important if they're part of your self-care. But what I'm talking about here is self-awareness. Knowing who you are and what you need to set yourself up for success and being willing to deliver it. Those of you who have worked with me, those of you who have listened to my show for a while, kind of know that I tell it like it is. I'm direct, I'm blunt, I'm to the point. And sometimes I use a lot of extra words, but I don't sugarcoat anything. I don't know why I didn't do that as a therapist. I definitely had clients who I could feel that that's what was expected of me and I could rise into that space and I excelled with those people. But if I believed that someone couldn't handle it or they didn't want to hear it, I played small. So that's the other thing I want you looking at. And when you think about your messaging, when you think about how you're talking to people, are you teaching people how to treat you? Are you showing them the kind of respect that you expect and the kind of respect that you deserve. Because if you're not doing those things, they are going to make you be whoever they need in order to accommodate them. And you are gonna resent the heck out of that. And you are gonna set your business up to be reactive to your client. And then your client's controlling the whole story. Your client controls the interaction and you lose control of your business. And as soon as you feel like you're not the boss of your own business and you're not controlling things, of course you're going to be on the train to burnout. That's how that happens. But if you want to avoid it, you have to know who you are, what you do, how you move through the world and set your business up accordingly. Now about starting over, (laughs) Um, I feel like if I look back on my life, there's been a lot of starting over of, I really think I want this and now I don't. Oh crap, what am I going to do now? And the first thing that I like to tell people is that we have permission to change our minds, that we're no longer in the world or the industry or in the culture where people enter the workforce and they don't leave the workforce until they've stayed in the same job for 15, 20 years going towards retirement. You get to change your mind. And the more you can give yourself permission to look at what's next or what the next step is, the less likely you are to think about starting over. And so when I realized that I had built a business that really made me unhappy, 
I was heartbroken. I, I had success in my hand and it wasn't working. I was staring at multi-six-figure business and I didn't care. I was just hoping that most of the clients on my caseload would cancel. And I had gone too far down the road without taking care of myself, without saying what I really thought to have been able to dial it back. My guess is if you listen to me today and you're in a job that isn't working, you're going to be able to advocate for yourself. You're going to be able to identify what isn't working, what needs to shift and move. And if you're in corporate and working a nine to five, you can work with your team and your supervisor to set yourself up for better success. If you're listening to this as a business owner, the same is true. You're hearing the warning signs. You're seeing the flashing lights. You're, you know, if you don't want this to happen to you, this is how you take a left turn. You see the burnout coming and you ask yourself what you're willing to do about it. I avoided it for a really long time because I liked the income that my brick and mortar was offering me. And I liked the time freedom. I didn't have to work a full day on Fridays. I could come in late on the days that I went to boxing. I could, you know, I had so much freedom outside that I talked to myself. I talked myself into this idea that I could be okay with this business until the point where it felt like it was just taking my breath. So the next thing that I want to tell you is if, if you feel it coming, if it's in your bones, address it. It doesn't mean you have to start over. It doesn't mean you, you're like erasing the slate and you have to like completely build something new from the ground up or just run away from everything and start over. You can identify what part of this is working and what part needs to change. And I couldn't do that on my own. I had to hire a coach. And that actually now, ironically, is the thing that people hire me for a lot of times. But I couldn't get out of my own way. So I hired a business coach and I said, listen, this is the deal. I've had this business for 10 years. It's super successful, but I don't want it anymore. But here's what I know. I know that I still want to work for myself. I know I still want to be my own boss. I know I still want to control my own schedule. And I know I want to exceed the income I used to make. In addition, I want my reach to be bigger. I think I have things to say that people can hear. And I want to learn a way of getting out of small town USA and really impacting a larger audience. I identified those things. I never heard of online coaching. I didn't, I used to make fun of people who identified as coaches and I certainly never heard about mindset coaching. We came up with the idea of executive coaching. Somebody was reminding me of this today and that I was going to be a corporate therapist helping mid-level managers get out of their job and move up to the ladder or move out of the system if they weren't happy. I never, like I got maybe five clients total from that, but I never built a business because what ended up happening and what ended up growing was that I was offering people advice on mindset. I was telling people how to push past fear, how to acknowledge and deal with imposter syndrome, how to avoid shiny object syndromes, and all the other isms that come up in the entrepreneurial space. I was just doing that for fun, really, as a way of, you know, in the different business building groups I was in, learning how to build a business. I was talking to people who were afraid. I was like, well, I'm not afraid. I just don't know how to do the business stuff. So there were a lot of business people who knew how to do the business stuff. They just didn't have the mindset. And then somebody in, reflected to me, like, what are you doing? You should be helping business owners with mindset. 
And then a second person in the same week said, hey, what are you doing? You should be helping business owners with mindset. And again, it happened the third time. And by the third time, I was a puddle on the floor because I thought that I had been wrong again. I thought I misled myself, that I was going to have to start over again. And what I want you to hear in the story as I tell you is I didn't need to start over. I didn't need to erase the clean slate, but I did need to pivot a little bit and to look at the types of conversations I was enjoying having the type of people I enjoyed helping, the type of work I enjoyed doing, and I had to give myself permission to let it be easy. I think a lot of times when we think about having to take that next step, we overcomplicate it. We perceive 50 million steps that we have to take, and then we tell ourselves it's too much work, it's not worth the effort. So if you're stuck and you know that you need to move to a different angle, take a left turn or a right turn, don't don't think about grabbing the eraser. Don't think about burning it all to the ground just yet. Ask yourself, what part of this do I really like? What part of this is actually working and serving for me? What part isn't working for me? What part isn't serving me? And then you can just adjust the plan to accommodate those things. I thought I was going to end up in human resources doing employee recruiting when I left the private mental health therapy practice because I knew I still had an interest in psychology. I knew I still had an interest and helping people find their talents. And I somehow, like for some reason, made up recruiting as an answer. But the important thing is, is to pay attention to the parts that work and then be open to other people's perspectives, to have conversations with other people. I did not talk to anybody about this for far too long. Sometimes I would kind of like moan and groan um, to friends and family about my job, but I kept it quiet because I was embarrassed. Who complains about owning a successful business? Who complains about having a wait list? Who complains about the fact that she has not had to market in X number of years and she just prays for people not to come to their appointments? Like that felt so awful and I didn't like myself. And so because I didn't like that about myself, I didn't talk about it. I really wish I had talked about it more because I think that if I had been open to other people's ideas, stories about me, suggestions about what I could be doing instead, I think I would have found my way a lot faster. I think I would have gone through a way less heartache and um, stress and struggle if somebody had just said, hey, Heather, like you don't like doing this, go and do that. Because as soon as I started listening to people who could really see me and see what I had to offer, the answer became clear. I didn't struggle with fear because I had already done that before. And that's the other thing is I think people sit in burnout because they're so afraid of making the wrong answer, of deciding that their next thing is the wrong thing too, and having to go through this whole entire process again. So then as a result, they end up you know, not making any changes. Because I'd already done this at my agency job and made a change and realized I got a good 10 years out of it, that's not a mistake. That's not a wrong turn. That's just a, I came to the end of this road type of thing and I need to go to the next end of the road. And that's where I land with you today, that right now I freaking love this podcast. I love talking to you guys every day and sharing my insights, sharing my story, having the opportunity 
to have this kind of reach. Talking to people in my Facebook group, I love working with new business owners and the groups that I'm involved in, and also the opportunity to consult with the leaders and entrepreneurs and established business owners. Working with them one-on-one lights me up. I built the business that works for me by being open to finding that out. And that's what you have to do for yourselves, to give yourself permission to be curious, to not know, to be unsure, to try something, to try something new, and to know that your next answer doesn't have to be your final answer. And, you know, there's one last thing here. Not being happy is reason enough to change. So often when I talk to business owners, they'll tell me, I'm looking at the metrics. There's no need to change this business. I'm still making conversions. I'm still making income. My income is growing, et cetera, et cetera. I don't need to pivot. Not being happy, not liking what you're doing, not liking the quality of your life, that's reason enough to make a change. I know it probably doesn't feel like it. I know that you're telling yourself all kinds of stories. People tell me all the time, who am I to give up benefits? Who am I? We just heard that in somebody's question the other day when he wanted to be a video game designer. Who is he to like sort of risk his potential family on a dream? All of that. Being happy is reason enough to want to make a change wanting a better quality of life, not wanting to like live your life in dread of your next workday is reason enough. The other thing that I was thinking about today, it, it's, I don't know how this is going to make sense and I hope it makes sense to you guys listening, but I'm in this weird position where there's a little bit of a family emergency back East and I have to go back home for a couple of days for a funeral. And I just was able to make the plane reservation. I was able to get the hotel. We had to arrange my husband to get to work because I'm still the driver <laughs> and my car doesn't have a driving, ad, a driving adaptation for spinal cord emergency, uh, for spinal cord stuff. But like my business let me be there for my family on a dime, um, a very expensive dime. Last minute travel, by the way, is certainly a little bit expensive compared to what I was expecting, but I just got to do it. And I was thinking to myself, like initially when I was like, wow, I'm so glad that I have a business that lets me do this. My first thought was, well, your last business let you do it too. What's the big damn deal? Like immediately that mindset gremlin catches me, right? Like you hear it like, yep. And you could have been doing it from Massachusetts, which would have been a heck of a lot closer. But here's the thing. I have energy now to really show up for my family. Um, The loss is really personal to my dad. It's personal to me too, but like I get to be there for my dad. Um, I get to be there for, um, you know, my cousins who just lost their grandfather because I know what it's like to lose a grandparent. And I get to really be present for all of it. If I hadn't dealt with my burnout, if I was still in that dead-end job, even though it was a job of my own creation, I can tell you I still would have been able to show up, but I wouldn't have been able to be present. That's what burnout costs us. I remember a time when burnout cost me, not friendships per se, but God forbid one of my friends had a problem. (laughs) I didn't really want to hear it. 
I didn't care. It was really hard to be compassionate. And when you add that to the caregiving I was doing for my husband when he got sick, I didn't want to hear about anybody with any kind of problems. And what's different about the Heather who's returning home this weekend compared to the Heather who made the really hard choice a couple years ago is I now have the ability, the willingness, the drive, and the energy to be present for the people who matter. Because here's the thing, when you're burned out, most people keep taking care of their clients because they're worried about their bottom line. They keep taking care of their business because they're so afraid of not, of not taking care of their business. And you know what suffers? Your personal relationship and your personal life and the people who care about you and the people you care about. That actually, at the end of the day, is what really you're compromising on. And you have to make a choice. (laughs) Are you willing to keep compromising on that just because you're scared of what happens next? I'm so glad and I'm so proud of myself that I could sit here, record this show, and then in a couple of days, be there for my family with an open heart. I also know that I'm going to record tomorrow's episode. I'm going to say bye for now tomorrow, and I'm going to tell you that I'm not going to talk to you for a couple of days because I'm choosing my family over the podcast, because that's what I've learned. When I don't choose me, when I don't take care of me, everything suffers. But when I do take care of me and I do trust that my podcast listeners can handle a day or two off while I go and tend to other things, everything's possible. So I would like you to just take this as a little bit of a challenge to do a personal inventory in your life and in your business and how you're running things. And if it's working for you, great. If it's working for you, you probably stopped listening to this episode a really long time ago. But if it's not working for you, don't be afraid to ask why. And if it's not working for you, I can help. You're never going to figure this out alone. You're not going to figure it out simply by listening to my story on a podcast episode. All I can do here is ask the hard questions that get you to think. The next job is up to you. I really suggest you check out the work with me page on my website, choose to have it all.com. I really encourage you to click the contact link, Heather at choose to have it all.com. Let me know where you're struggling and ask me to help. And I gladly will. I gladly will. Thanks so much for listening today. Thanks too to the listener who wrote in with that question and offered this opportunity for me to share my story and my lessons. I certainly hope it's helped all of you today. And I hope that as you take an inventory of your life, you look at what's working, you identify what's not, and you choose to make a change. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye for now.